Today is Wednesday, May 19th, 2021. This is episode 70 of House Divided. My name is Nick Samarco, and I'm joined by Matt Lewis and on the phone by Ben Holden. Talk about technical problems tonight. Uh, we're back, gentlemen, after a little bit of hiatus. School got kind of busy, and I think more than anything, Zoom burnout is a real thing. Yes, it is and, a and real we're still on Zoom. We're we're almost Zoom. we're almost done with Zoom, but we had to make it one more time on Zoom. Uh, gentlemen, we're almost done with Zoom though, because it looks like the pandemic is going to end sooner rather than later. Just in the past two days, in the past week, there's been a dramatic change in terms of CDC recommendations, in terms of state regulations and recommendations regarding masking, regarding social distancing, regarding capacity limits, regarding all the crap that we've had to put up with for over a year in hopes that it would stop this virus. Um, just this past two days, Governor Baker, state of Mass- Commonwealth, Massachusetts, excuse me, state of Massachusetts, if I said that, I'd have to leave the state. Um, well, the dropkick Murphys are still here, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought of that too when I said it. Not a bad song. It's about somebody having their kids getting taken away by uh, Department, it's a good of, song. It's a good song. Department of Social Service uh, when it was called that. Now it's called, I think, DCF, Department of Children and Families. Um, Charlie Baker rescinding on May 29th the mask mandate, reading from the state's order on this. In line with updated CDC face covering guidance, the Baker administration will rescind the current face covering order and issue a new face covering advisory effective May 29th. Non-vaccinated individuals are advised to continue wearing face masks and to continue distancing in most settings. The advisory will also recommend fully vaccinated individuals no longer need to wear a face covering or social distance indoors or outdoors, except in, except for in social, in, except for in certain situations. Some things never change, such as my mispronunciation of certain phrases. Face coverings will still be required for all individuals on public and private transportation, including rideshares, livery, taxis, ferries, MBTA, commuter rail, and transportation stations, healthcare facilities and providers, congregate care settings, i.e. nursing homes, and health and rehabilitative day services. Finally, face coverings will also remain indoors uh, required for staff and students of K-12 schools and early education providers. Also included in this spell of orders and changes, is an end to capacity limits in all industries coming at the end of this month. Restaurants can open up back at 100% capacity if they haven't done before. Um, And on top of that, the state of emergency that was issued way back in early uh, 2020 is ending effective June 15th. So essentially, if you're vaccinated in Massachusetts come the end of this month, the pandemic is basically over for you. Um, and that follows the federal guidelines changing as well, along similar lines, uh, almost verbatim, um, the, the Baker administration changes. And on top of that, a spate of uh, private corporations have dropped their mask requirements in stores, such as Target, Walmart, um, for vaccinated customers and staff. Gentlemen, how does it feel taking into account everything that's happened in the world to yourself, to the people that you know in the past year to really be emerging, it looks like uh, from this pandemic. 
Matt, we'll start with you, and then we'll get to the uh, the the wonderful Mr. Holden, who has been relegated to the telephone tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, I am absolutely elated. Um, I tweeted when I saw this uh, this news. I I found it funny that it had been 15 months since the pandemic started, and the original the original slogan uh, back in Trump's presidency with Mike Pence got up there with a little postcard. He had a little postcard that he would go up to the, the podium with 15 days to slow the spread. Well, that became 15 months to stop the spread, uh, not to slow it down. We decided that slowing it down was not good enough. So I think that it's great that we are finally uh, on the other side of this. Um, I I'm very happy that we're going to be able to go do stuff again, like go to ball pits. Uh, I saw that that was a distinguished uh, category. Looking forward to jumping in the ball pits. No, that was a distinguished category that the government, it was like, I, I have to find it. There was a, a thing that I saw and it was, it was uh, all of the different categories of things like nightclubs, bars, restaurants, you know, and ball pits. Yeah. And, and ball, ball pits. pits. And you I was like, why, why did that get its own category? I don't know, but I found it hilarious. Uh, well, we'll circle back to those types of requirements in a minute. Um, Matt, uh, t- tell me, tell me how you feel given, you know, the past year has been tough on everybody in, in unique ways. I'm going to ask the same question to Ben in a little bit. What are you most looking forward to besides, uh, ball, besides pits? ball pits? I mean, that's really tough because that was the big one. Um, no, I'm really looking forward to being able to go back to school in person um, without a mask on. Hopefully, Suffolk, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, we'll see about you know, that. I know you're going to BC. Uh, you know, it, I don't think I don't think a single person has heard that news. By the oh, way, yes. on this podcast, besides those two. So I'll be attending Boston College Law for anybody that actually gives a <laughs> shit uh, in the phone. Um, yeah, but you know going being able to go to class in person for all of my classes without a mask on uh hopefully is something that i'm very much looking forward to i had so much zoom fatigue uh this last semester it was like it was definitely the hardest semester i've had of college even though the workload might have been less just the motivation wasn't there uh because of zoom fatigue which is very real and yeah, I'm just looking forward to doing that, being able to hang out more regularly with my friends in person, um, you know, having some people who stayed home for the school year. Uh, I have a few people in mind that it will probably be returning to the city, um, being able to see them on a regular basis in person uh, is, is a, yeah, just a bunch of things I'm looking forward to. Ben, um you were in perhaps the uniquest of unique circumstances than people that I know. You yes. graduated college as the pandemic uh, shut everything Cor- down. Correct. And, and the month um, that I graduated uh, saw the highest unemployment number since, uh, well, basically on record. Since record started in like 1948 or whatever. So unemployment was like the highest on record. I ended up landing this gig um, basically on the supply chain of the testing infrastructure for for um, the Broad Institute uh, at MIT and Harvard, which does. So my team basically sends out 
5% of all the tests that are conducted in the United States. Did you feel, did you feel any, um, did you feel, how did that, how did that actually kind of play out in your mind? Did you, working in that job that was so critical to, you know, getting the testing done, which really paved the way for us to be able to get a, get control right. of the virus? Well, well, it was interesting because we, we had a bunch of town halls um, because they also do genomic sequencing. So we were looking at different variants and all that kind of stuff. And it, it was cool to be very hands-on about uh, the response and, and yeah, like it served a, a critical function. At the end of the day, though, I mean, I was working a lot and, and you know, it just turns into a job after a certain point and it just feels like it lasts forever. So it's actually good that now it's winding down. They cut me back to 40 hours a week. Um, and I guess that's a good thing for all of us in a way. Yes. And, and yeah, absolutely. Like things are quieting down. I mean, I got the vaccine very early back in January. I got, I got the first uh, dose. So that was pretty cool. Um, and now I think I'm just beyond ready for this to be over. What are you so, looking forward towards the most? So, so, well, first of all, so, so basically this is just bumping up what was going to originally was planned to happen in August anyway, according to Baker's plan. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. So no more capacity limits, yada, yada, yada. Yep. Well, um, just as with you, I mean, I'm going off to, to American university in the fall in DC. So in-person classes are going to be good. Um, actually like being able to hang out with people um, in a much more like regular way and actually see people and, and sort of go back to normalcy. I think just like go to a bar and be able to disgustingly breathe on people again, is going to be nice. <laughs> Looking doorknobs. Um, you know, I just want to be in a really pa overly packed room with a lot of sweaty individuals where everyone's just breathing their germs on each other. Like that's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, travel, once that's up and running again, is huge. Um, and so, yeah, lots, lots to look forward to. And, and not only that, I mean, we're entering the summer season. I'm getting a puppy. Like there's lots going on. For sure. All right. I have some, I have some, I have some thoughts on just the general feeling of the pandemic, but I'll save that for, I'm going to inverse my order here. I'm going to talk about what I want to, what I'm looking forward to the most. I've been to three Red Sox games already. I'm very lucky, I know, <laughs> to go to the Red Sox. But I will tell you, I will tell you, it is very different than having a normal Red Sox game. The crowd is still there. They're still into it. But the seats, you, you can just tell. Fenway Park is meant to be full. Like, it's not, it's not visually appealing to see, you know, empty seats in Fenway Park. Some stadiums look pretty good with some empty seats because they, you know, it's just the way it's built. I'm looking forward to going to a Red Sox game with – a jam-packed park, Fenway Park. I'm also looking forward to the reemergence of in-person uh, political panels in debates. Zoom debates sucked. They sucked. Everybody was reading off a script. It was the most contrived process I think I've seen in a long time. It didn't serve anybody. And if people wanted to yell at each other, you literally, because of the way Zoom or whatever these, you know, Microsoft Teams are 
whatever function, they literally talked over each other and you couldn't hear anybody speaking. So I'm looking forward to that. I do have one corny thing that I just have noticed that I'm actually looking forward to too. It's going to sound very corny. So don't, if you want to laugh at me, go ahead. I'm looking forward to actually seeing people smile again and like having, seeing their facial expressions. I'm somebody who feeds very much so on what's going on with other people. And I, I'm a very expressive person. I'm literally talking with my hands right now. <laughs> you are Italian. So. Yeah, I, well, like, yeah. But um, the point being is that for me, it was very weird in some circumstances. I'm sure you guys had this too, but it was, it was it's just the way my brain works, having to sort of guess what people were thinking when I was talking um, and how they were receiving it in some circumstances too. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Thoughts on the pandemic? And the, you know, the, the easing of restrictions that we're seeing. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually slightly upset that this wasn't done earlier. Um, there. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't it's understand. I, I don't understand what changed in the two months, essentially, that we knew that the vaccines were extremely effective at preventing the spread and preventing the disease, other than maybe having more people vaccinated. Um, but it seems to me like that, at least on the federal level, Baker sort of couched his changes in the language of um, Massachusetts is becoming, uh, I think we're reaching 75% of residents have had their first shot. Um, we lead the nation in that regard. And by the way, I listened to the press conference. Did you guys know that over 90% of people in Massachusetts that have gotten their first shot come back for the second? It's the highest rate in the entire country. Um, but it frustrates me that there hasn't been an adequate explanation, and I don't think there will be from federal officials um, in the Biden administration as to why this guidance didn't come out two weeks, two months earlier. Um, they said it was something to do with a study, but I, I, I feel like there's no, no new information. I, was you it know? just that they did their own study? They said, they said mean, that they're... the CDC had a study that showed that um, people with the vaccines were not transmission risks. But I thought that we knew that already. I, the private companies that like, I know Moderna and Pfizer did their owns. I, I thought that would suffice. You, but you've I, seen this from Israel as well. Right. We've seen and, it across, you know, across the world. In particular. I mean, we've seen it across the world. And from, the U S is also way ahead of the game, uh, way ahead of most of the rest of the world in terms of vaccinations. And then Matt I got was, a, operation warp speed. I do have to give, it. give credit where credit is due. Uh, was a very good plan. Yeah. I, it's, it's been pretty good throughout. So it has been pretty good for sure. Um, I'm glad that my prediction, I guess I'm still somewhat right in my prediction that masks are here to stay throughout 2021 because they're still part of guidance and advisory for some instances, but I wasn't convinced that they would be going away until like the, the essentially the spring of next year. Um, because I thought my logic at the time, and I remember I actually listened to the, to the podcast again to, to hear my projections. And my thought was that the vaccine rollout was going to be very botched. Um, and thankfully there was some stumbling blocks in the beginning, uh, but we've, you know, gotten past those and the United States is the world's leader outside of Israel, but this was a tiny nation, um, of, of vaccinating its people. It's, it's remarkable. 
Um, so yeah, it's incredible. It's awesome. It's kick ass. It's kick ass. It bro. is. It is. I'm proud to be an American. Um, all right, let's let's move on to some. We'll call it the pandemic report card. Okay, gentlemen, let's get into the punditry aspect of the show. I know I love some rank for. punditry. I really yeah, do. I know that's what people come for. Um, pudgy pundit, the pudgy pundit, <laughs> Nick Samarco. <laughs> uh, um, near an episode goes by without invoking the mythical Sorab Amari's name on this podcast or oh, yes. reference to him. Uh, well, I that mean, engagement was legendary. That was a legendary engagement. <laughs> if I ever meet him in person, I will introduce myself with a shake of the hand as the pudgy pundit. Yeah, okay. yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, how many people who have the opinion editor of the New York Post call them a pudgy pundit on Twitter? I think a lot in his case. You know, <laughs> just going to throw that out there. I think a lot of people have been branded nicknames by Sorab Amari. Anyways, uh, enough integralist uh, would be totalitarian bashing. Let's uh, let's move on to some letter grades. Let's fill out this report card. I'm going to give you guys the name of a person, and I want you A through F. We, we can do the pluses and minuses here if you want. Um, give them a grade and a brief explanation because we have a lot of people to run through. Uh, let's start with President Joe Biden. Uh, we'll go Ben first. A through F, Ben. President Joe Biden. I'll give him a, a B minus. Matt, is this so? Is this for just COVID or for everything? Just the handling this of the just pandemic. for COVID. Okay, just, just for pandemic. COVID. Yeah. Uh, so my my explanation oh, is yeah, that is that he 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 is he is a little bit too dramatic about it. I mean, I remember when when he first you know the speech that, that we were talking about a couple of months ago. Yeah. Uh, you thought that was a good speech, Nick. I I thought that he seemed a little bit out of touch in that he he basically said that oh by you know fourth of july we'll we'll be able to finally hug our our families again it's like at least half the country's already been doing that for well over a year so so it seemed a little bit uh aloof perhaps a little bit out of touch in terms of how people are perceiving this but uh, other than that i mean it's been uh mostly like it's it's been mostly good you know yeah um the rollout of the vaccines been okay so but so so a solid b minus gotcha. uh, for me because he's a little bit over overly cautious i'm teetering on the b minus c plus range myself um i'm gonna give him a b minus simply for the fact that numbers never lie and the united states is the world leader in vaccinations that was his job coming in uh, and he's exceeding at that but i think that messaging which i've, I've harped on for a year has been absolutely horrible um, but I simply weigh the vaccines higher. Matt? Yeah, I'd give him, I'd give him a C. Um, you know, no plus or minus, just a straight C. Bang, average job. 74. Uh, you know, <laughs> a good job, very good job with the vaccines, although that was, I, you know, I, again, I'm not a fan of Trump, but Trump laid the, the groundwork there with Operation Warp Speed for our vaccine success, at least with having uh, initial supply <clears throat> of it. And, um, yeah, so that's been good. Uh, and the messaging has been really poor, which brings him down to the sea for me. Um, gotcha. So. Matt, Massachusetts governor, Charles D Baker. Um, a through F. I, I, I gotta give him an A. Wow. Uh, I, I really, I, I'm trying to think of what could Charlie Baker have done better. Maybe, an, you know, maybe I give him an A minus, but you know, there's not a whole lot of 
giant major uh, blunders that the Massachusetts government has had with the handling of COVID. We got hit really hard in the beginning um, and we reacted strongly to that. Um, but, you know, maybe he could have gotten the churches open a little sooner, but to be fair to him, he, he did that within the first round of reopening of things. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. He's done a very good job and he responded very quickly to the federal update on the mask uh, wearing guideline recently. Um, he planned on opening us up August 1st for everything. Uh, and as soon as the federal guidance changed uh, within uh, the weekend, you know, it was it was Monday. He came out and said, all right, uh, a week from Saturday, we're back to normal. And yeah, I mean, I, 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 we did a good job. We kept the deaths down. We kept the infection rate down lower than the national average. Um, I think, you know, we, we did pretty well. So I, hmm. He gets a B plus from me. Yeah. I'm going to come in slightly lower than you, Matt. I'm going to give him a B plus. Um, The economy of Massachusetts is actually not doing that bad. Um, believe it or not, we have a lower unemployment rate than Texas. Um, like you said, he we got nailed hard at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, the numbers are misleading in that regard. And we saw a surge during the winter as well, which I'm, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say a lot of the pandemic waves had to do with the weather and gathering in indoor spaces. I have a feeling that that's what it's going to, you know, the main driver is going to be. Um, I think, I think the messaging has been good, but confusing at times. And he hasn't been clear, um, regarding some of the restrictions at sometimes I'm thinking of the order that came out in the winter of this year that said bars had to close at like 10 o'clock, I think was the, was the order. And we had a curfew for a while, um, I didn't really understand where that was coming from at all. I don't think most other states did it either. I have a hard time believing that that had a big impact on numbers. But overall, I think you also have to take into account with Baker. It's not like he's going to turn into Greg Abbott overnight. He has to deal with the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and its politics. And given that situation, I think he's done. That's why I give him a lot of credit because he's done better than people like Cuomo. I, I agree. I agree, yeah. but he should have reopened sooner, I think. Yeah, I mean, I get the abundance of caution thing, but he, I, I, you know, like I said, like a month or two months, I, right. a little bit earlier, that's fine. I, I, I agree with that as well, but at the same time, it's Massachusetts, and it's a very yeah. blue state. and uh, The hub of the medical community, the hub of, like, the public health people, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. He had a very challenging job. And I think he yeah. handled it very well. And I think the fact I, I really hate, I, I, I tend to not make arguments based on who, I tend not to make my praises based on uh, somebody being upset at another person, meaning I'm not judging the person based on their enemies. But I think it is telling that really the only people that have lost their minds on Charlie Baker throughout this entire thing are the Jim Lyons, Jeff Dealwing of the Massachusetts GOP. Just going to say that. Uh, the Howie Carr wing. 
the Howie Carr. Yeah, that's the probably the one that people would get understand more a little bit. Yeah, Howie Carr is more of a national. Fair yeah. enough. Ben, you're at a B plus two. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, moving on. It seems to be correct. I'm glad you've declared our rankings correct. Um, Doctor Anthony Fauci. Oh. This is a tough one. <laughs> I'm trying he, to think. Gets, I'm looking at a graph. He gets a C minus. C minus. He gets a C minus for me. Okay, you were definitive. Yeah. Why? Uh, because because the thing is, he came out as a public health expert, right? With a veneer of uh, objectivity and uh, and credibility, but over time, you know, obviously he was in a difficult position because of the politicization of the of the pandemic. It was during an election year, all that, uh, and and I guess he was undercut by President Trump. But um, as time went on, it it became more and more apparent that he wasn't actually paying that much attention to the science. It, it became more of a, um, of a cultural phenomenon, you know, uh, and, and about cultural signaling. And when Joe Biden took office, you know, he, he turned into this, this liberal symbol that he, he, sh- he shouldn't have. And I'm not sure if that's his fault, but he really lost a lot of credibility in my eyes because of that. I'm going to go even lower. I'm going to go D plus. Um, I think he's not paying, he's not paying attention to the science basically at this point. Right. And, and the fact that the fact that that's the pretense is sort of aggravating. Right. I, I, I think that he probably prevented really bad things from happening when Donald Trump was president. And I'm glad that he did that. I'm glad that he and Deborah books Burks were, you know, I think Axios has done a pretty good job reporting the inside scoop of what was happening in those coronavirus deliberations. And I'm glad that Deborah Burks and Anthony Fauci were able to um, have a louder voice than Scott Atlas uh, in that room. I'm glad they were able to penetrate through. But I think Ben hit the nail on the head in that Anthony Fauci, since Trump lost, essentially, not since Biden has become president, has turned into essentially a op-ed writer with a PhD at the New York Times. Uh, I don't think, and also he's openly admitted that he's lied multiple times about very important things, such as uh, what constitutes herd immunity. Um, You know, just just the past day, he said that he, he totally flipped his position on indoor masking for people that were vaccinated, for example, just, just today. Um, I, I was very sympathetic to Dr. Fauci at the beginning of the pandemic. I thought he was doing a very good, effective job communicating some very difficult information to the American public. And I thought that the attacks on him were utterly ridiculous um, because they weren't based in any real critique in my mind, other than we don't think that the pandemic is serious. And that's a ludicrous argument. It always was a ludicrous argument. However, after the election, as I said, I think you're a perfectly legitimate and I think you're correct to make the case that he's turned into nothing more than a cable news pundit. Um, and his messaging has been piss poor since then. He's been messaging to the liberal base and not the heart of the country. So D plus for Dr. Anthony Fauci. And I hate to say that because I, I thought he was doing great at the beginning of the pandemic. Mateo. So- I am going to take you guys way back here 
uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, when Fauci first stepped out in front of the, the podium in the presidential press conference room, he was beloved by Trump people. Trump's crew, uh, you know, I know people who not not just like, you know, anecdotally, some people like people who worked in who are very Trumpy, who work in the Republican world uh, were big Fauci supporters. You know, they were all about Dr. Fauci. Uh, and that is something that declined very rapidly. Uh, and then, it, you know, he was disliked by Trump's people and he was still good for a little bit. He kept Trump in check. And then, yeah, I totally agree with what you guys said. Um, so I'd actually give him a D. I would go a little bit lower than you, Nick. Um, I think that even towards the end of Trump's presidency, Fauci totally sold out. Like, I think he, the fame got to his head a little bit. Um, he loved appearing on. Oh, you mean all the cringy songs they made about him? <laughs> Have you seen um, that thing? The, they're so they're so god awful. Are these uh, like you, the parodies? They, no, they no, no, no. This is a wrist. real thing. This is a real thing. There was a kid. I don't want to make fun of the kid, but I think he was a little bit younger than us. Maybe actually, he may have been a college student in New York State who wrote essentially a ukulele song for Anthony Fauci. Oh dear! And he performed it on on TV. Oh man. Um, how, Actually, no, no, no. It wasn't a ukulele and, song. And that's, and it wasn't a ukulele song. Only one hold, hold on, Ben. Hold on. Hold on, the, Ben. The TikTok I, this, ones are worse. Yeah, this is very crucial. Actually, it was not a ukulele song. It was a song about Dr. Fauci to the tune of Mr. Sandman. I don't even want to know. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I'm going to put it in. If we oh, okay. Yeah, it, Matt, put it in. I don't. It made me really. I have to listen to it, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> Um, for the it, viewer's sake, you need to put I don't it. want to shit on the kid, but Dr. Fauci Give us vaccines Help all the people who have been quarantined We'll wear our masks and we'll have to stay distant We'll wash our hands and we'll be more resistant. Fauci, yes, promise us please. We'll have a cure that can fight off this disease. Restrictions we'll lift with some ease. Dr. Fauci, don't forget me. Yeah. Oh, okay. God. So cringy. It was like yeah. hero worship, anyways. But you're, you, you guys are totally right. The like, he stopped. He stopped paying attention to the science. Um, his messaging has been terrible. Um, it seems like he's trying to get back at, like, I mean, the politicization of the pandemic was already bad enough, but now it seems like Fauci's trying to get back at the right wing people who kind of dumped on him. Uh after he lost favor with the Trump crowd uh, early on. I mean, I can understand it. He got death threats and whatnot, you know? No, like, I, I get that. And I know, feel for the guy. I understand like, not, it. I don't, but... think, I don't think Fauci's a bad dude. Uh, I don't think that he's, um, you know, 
I, I just think that he's just he's just done a bad job of handling the spotlight. He's like I think sorry, Matt, but I think this is the most charitable explanation of what happened to Dr. Fauci. He fought a war inside the White House for six months to try and keep things from going off the rails. Yeah. For doing that, he was ripped by almost every single mainstream pundit on the right. Yeah. And it was praised because he was seen, I think. I think he unintentionally made himself be seen as the bulwark or the um, anti-Trump, the bulwark against Trump or the anti-Trump person. Sure. And, and that gained him a ton of plaudits from, too. yeah, exactly. And that gained him a ton of plaudits from the MSNBC crowd. And he, I, I, they were the only people that were asking his advice. Dan Bongino was not asking Anthony Fauci to come on and talk to him. No. Um, and so I think he crafted his message and crafted his you know, way of thinking towards that group of people because he didn't really care and nor did those people care about what he had to say. Um, so, no, but yeah. when, once, once Biden took over, you know, his relevancy declined rapidly uh, as well. But at the same time, the messaging like just stopped ignore uh, stopped paying attention to the science and you know he's been very slow to come around on masks and i actually don't know what he said today uh because I, I didn't see that it was it was on the sunday shows it was a breakneck change of pace because just one week before the cdc issued that color-coded chart um uh, about you know what you can do oh, yeah. vaccinated yep. and there were still gigantic restrictions on what you can do in your vaccine he's like this is a rational thing to do you know the science says this and then a week later without any real explanation as to what changed he changes his entire position and it wasn't just him it was cdc director walensky it was president biden it was the entire biden administration and public health community essentially yeah I mean, I'm glad they changed their tune but it, you know what took them so long it's frustrating I mean it feels like you're being lied to um in, 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 <laughs> because we were because we were <laughs> uh yeah and that's, that's not a good feeling all right finally i have two more people for us to grade one is a group of people uh, sorry three more people two are groups of people one is one individual okay. final individual for us to grade is former president donald john trump i'll start it off f f f like f. F. um it's it's not even it's it's really is saddening to think how many people didn't take this disease seriously and how many and still people don't still don't take this disease seriously and how many of those people well because of him and and then and it's you know, because of him some vaccine hesitancy and then he took the vaccine but never publicized it look the guy is just a very pathological person and clearly just a bad influence in general uh, that shouldn't be, this should, probably should have never been listened to anyway for anything serious. So, so I, it's a clear F. Even, think, even, okay. and, and, and who's to say that if you had a different president, that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have still had like an Operation Warp Speed type thing. I mean, I don't think that was unique. No, I don't. That, but that no, was, was unique the it, to the so. Trump administration. So that, that, that was the only like, they did some bare minimum stuff to make right. sure that, right. that I, think I think it's like I think it's like saying in a way it, it wasn't it wasn't Bolsonaro level bad, but it was still pretty bad. It was it was bad the enough worst. To earn an F. Yeah, it was the worst certainly of the the G seven countries um, for sure. Oh yeah, 
in, in, I think a good way of looking at it is, is sort of what Ben alluded to. If it was a different president, what would have happened? They would have taken the same measures, right? But in terms of recommending lockdowns and stuff like that, but there would have been a few. But without key... any of the self-sabotage. Exactly, exactly. What without any like of the, the self-sabotage. Like the aggression. There would be no models. You know the no kinds models. of models I talk about. There wouldn't have been. There would have been gigantic rallies. Um, or, or 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 the whole thing with the bleach. Right. And and, and masks the, and the UV would... light on the inside. Yeah. No. <laughs> masks wouldn't it's, have been it's... as much of a culture war issue. Right. They still would have been a culture war issue, but they wouldn't have been as much of a culture war issue. Right. I think that's fair. Um. I think ask yourself this too just just think of your like even if you're somebody who's sympathetic to the president and i know we have listeners that are are like that think of this to yourself did trump make things better or did he make things worse in terms of the pandemic response i think it's unequivocally clear that he made things worse i, I don't see how somebody can argue that they that he made things better oh you want to talk about oh he shut down travel to china in march Woo! He shut down travel to China in March. People are still trotting out that talking point in May of 2021. Great. What happened for the rest of the nine, 10 months that he was relevant in terms of responding to the pandemic? He sabotaged his own efforts, as Ben put. So, F. Are we all in agreement there? Anybody want to add anything on Donald? Uh, the only thing that I... No, we, I think we talked enough about him, you know? <laughs> um... Oh gosh, I, you know, I had it and then I lost it. So it must not have been that important, but um, yeah, yeah. What a bad. Oh, I wanted, I wanted to say something about Operation Warp Speed because I think, I think he absolutely deserves credit for Operation Warp Speed, but I also don't think it's anything that any president really would have done differently. Public, public, private partnerships in terms of mass production are nothing new in terms of American history, but I will say it's sort of, I've, I sort of view it in my mind like FDR taking the country into World War II. Any president would have taken the country into World War II after the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. But sure. FDR took the country into World War II and attempted to lead it through it, right? He gets credit for that. FDR did an effective job leading the country through World War II. Donald Trump would have been, you know, would have been sabotaging the American war effort if we're continuing on with this analogy. <laughs> If, yeah. if, if you know um oh you know what hitler I, I remember. wrote me a beautiful letter and he's not <laughs> that bad of a guy oh, no. you know the nazis they're just going to take they're just going to take france okay it's nothing to worry about you need to stay calm <laughs> and the war's going to be over by easter okay we're going to be we're going to be everyone's going to be back for for church on easter you're going to be touring berlin by easter okay no big deal right um the last thing uh, is this is something that it bothers me so much. And I know this is only because Trump was in charge here. Um, and, and that the pundits, the conservative slash right-wing punditry followed his lead lockstep um, in how they discussed the virus um, is that I have friends still who believe that COVID is uh, only slightly worse than the flu uh, and think that, you know, that, you know, since we saw way less flu cases this year, maybe because people are staying home and wearing masks uh, and other diseases will be prevented as well through that, that, um, you know, that the flu wasn't, you know, a thing and that 
like this was not a big deal and you know masks were you know like just the whole culture war thing around the masks, but also just the culture war around the virus itself just thinking that it doesn't matter um you know when when we had way higher than average deaths for the whole year basically um if you look at the I mean, a lot of people deaths, died right if you look at the so. average deaths in a year you know during normal times like there's an average number that kind of stays pretty steady as a percentage of the population people dying every year and it was way up way above that uh you cannot say with a straight face that that the virus was nothing even though it, 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 yeah. I'm glad it wasn't more deadly than it was, it was, you know, it was only still like 2% fatality rate. It still infected so many people that a lot of people died from this. And I might add um, to that, you know, about the politicization. The, the problem here is that you have this cleavage in American politics where, where you have to go very, very far in, in the opposite direction of whoever your political opponents are and whatever they, uh, 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 whatever the other side says, you, you instinctively need to do the opposite. And that's a bit of a pathology because meanwhile, um, people in, in you know, red state world uh, uh, took it way less seriously than they probably should have. And uh, and then I, I, I do think that Blue State World went in the opposite direction, which is why, you know, public opinion polling about, um, the, you know, people's individual risk assessment for COVID in terms of what they perceive to be the case, you know, liberal left-leaning people basically vastly overestimating how deadly it is and how likely they are to, to die or uh, be hospitalized if they've contracted um, are disproportionately high. So high, in fact, that the average Republican winning answer, which is this is no big deal at all, this is a flu and I'll be fine, is actually closer to the truth. So, so you can you can actually have those two thoughts in your head at the same time. That you know, um, uh, it was both way more serious then half the country uh, uh, wanted, made it out to be, and then uh, probably not as serious as, as uh, right. the most alarmist and, and, um, uh, and cautious among us. Uh, yeah, no, I know people who are still dealing with like psychological fear around the virus, um, even though like they might be vaccinated and stuff and they're still like, I don't know. I, I still need to wear a mask. Right. I still don't want to go anywhere. Um, so you know, there's two I, extremes. Can I comment on that a second? I think polarization affects every side for sure. Um, in terms of the, the over caution right now, I think it's a problem. I agree. The only thing that has me worried, like I, I wanted to hear your thoughts too. The only thing that has me worried and it's totally out of my control and it's not, it's not going to alter the way that I'm going to live my life now, which is when I get my second shot in two weeks, I'm, you know, living my life as I normally would have before. But the only thing that would change my calculus there would be the emergence of a variant disease. That is, in my opinion, one of the only looming threats out there. We're not epidemiologists. We're not virologists who, you know, know how these things work. 
but I understand somebody who says, and we also, by the way, we also don't have, you know, year and a half long, two year long data as to the effects of these vaccines or the, or their efficacy after a significant period of time. And I understand people saying, look, I'm just going to side on the safe side for a while. I don't think it's fair to say that that's a pathology in some, in some circumstances it is, but not in all circumstances. What do you guys think of that? I, I, I like I said, I'm not changing my behavior based on an abstract. Uh, we'll get booster shots. We probably be fine. And, we'll just get booster that... shots and they'll, they'll take care of the new variants. I'm not worried. Right. You know, now that we have the, the base vaccine, you were able to get a new flu vaccine every year for the variants and the new strains. So I don't yeah. think that that's going to be a huge problem. Let's hope so. And, and at the end of the day, uh, the risk of, of like some new variant like that, uh, while slightly higher than like getting some crazy disease that's out there is it's true that that's higher than like, you know, whatever, some kind of crazy medical event happening to you. We risk death every time we, uh, no, just by the, by dint of being alive, we risk death. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, know. that's why I'm not going to alter and, and, my behavior. And so you can't, you can't change your behavior because there is nothing, uh, even concrete that would say that that would happen, uh, a variant. Well, out. well, there's nothing concrete, but the only thing, like, I'm just, I, my, I, my, my point, my point is yeah. that like you could have a heart attack or a stroke. Of or, course, of course. Like, like that's what struck by some terminal illness. Um, yeah. you know, and die tomorrow. No, uh, and, and, and the good thing is, is that, you know, these vaccines are actually going to limit the spread of the disease, which is actually going to help eliminate the variants. And like, it's a tiny, tiny remote possibility. And I don't think you should stop living your life once you get the vaccine because of the existence of the variants. But the, like the, it was just a thought that popped in my head when I was thinking about, wow, we're essentially out of this. What are the things that could remain? And the only thing that was you know lingering was like, well, we could get a vaccine resistant variant. And there are, you know, historically, you think of the 1918 flu pandemic. That was a couple of years of pandemic. It was a three-year pandemic. And what happened was that the virus mutated in the middle. <laughs> so I hope that we have somehow broken the trend of these pandemics. I think we have. We haven't had a vaccine for a pandemic disease this quick ever in human history. Um, we're, entering, we're entering totally new territory in that regard. Um, but yeah, that was the only thing that, you know, was... Again, not going to change my behavior. Not, I think the way you put it with the risk calculation is exactly how people should approach it. It's the way I'm approaching it too. But it was the only thing that was like, oh, wow, that's the one thing that we have remaining that we might need to worry about a little bit. So anyways, final two groups. And then we'll move on to the final segment. I know Ben has to, has to jet here. Um, well, and, and also breaking news. I think I am actually going to get this puppy. There you go. Ben's going to be a part of Congratulations. <laughs> uh, twice, hey, last year, twice last oh. year, Ben unfortunately uh, let a dog loose in the woods uh, and it ran away from him. So hopefully he doesn't. Yeah, but, but the, dog, <laughs> the, the dog wasn't good at recall, so it doesn't count. Ben's not going to have an, uh, a, a, a dumb dog. He's going to have a dog that can remember things. She wasn't dumb. She just didn't, listen, she didn't respect or listen to me. Well, you need to, you need to alpha fine. the dog, Ben. You need to alpha the dog. Yes, it's too late when the dog's 10 years old and, and like <laughs> rescued from a reservation. That's true. That's, that is true. And not your dog. All right. Too late yeah. for that. Yes. Okay. So final, uh, final two groups. One big group is the international community at large. You can use the United Nations as a stand in. Ben, what would you give them? Uh, international organizations. Yeah. Like, as a group, yeah. 
Well, it depends on which one. The EU gets for because of their vaccine Bosch vaccine rollout, they probably get it. Uh, they get a D from me. Anyway, <laughs> otherwise, probably a, a, a C. I think in, in the very early stage of the pandemic, they were actually quite bad in terms of not pushing back against China with their lack of transparency, um, which was a big problem. Uh, I understand that there's a delicate ecosystem of, of geopolitics at work, even at the WHO, but, uh, but that was still a massive problem that if, if China had been more transparent about this from the get-go, uh, instead of trying to cover it up, which is what totalitarian regimes like that tend to do, just look at Chernobyl, it's sort of the same uh, kind of thing happening. There's an accident. There's, you know, a, 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 something that that isn't really the government's fault. It's just, it's just that their uh, instincts are always to cover up and, and never provide international transparency, even when it, um, when it's important for the for the world community to actually get access to that information. So, because of that, that that, that drags it down, but. Um, Obviously, an international cooperation has been good uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the vaccine development in particular. Yep, I'll I give... might also add that <laughs> I might also add that that a little pro-immigration plug. Um, you probably wouldn't have you wouldn't have had these vaccines in the same way had it not been for a lot of um, immigrant uh, labor, immigrant scientists. So, yep, just uh, putting that I believe... up there. I believe the f- scientists that discovered or that created the um, mRNA vaccine for, I think it was Pfizer, um, were immigrants to the United States. I think, and, yes. And I think, I think one of the, the, the people involved is actually uh, a Chinese national who's still waiting for their green card. So. Yeah, which is the ridiculous. That's, that's exactly what I was trying to remember. All right. I'm going to give the international community in terms of institutions, the United Nations, WHO, EU, you know, all those institutions that we think of, I'm going to give them a who C plus because I think I think the I think what Ben has said is true. International collaboration on terms of um, sharing testing and and vaccines has been pretty good, um, but they dropped the ball in the beginning. And the European Union has done a terrible job in terms of their vaccine rollout. Um, be, uh, Matt. Um, frankly, I, I don't, uh, this is, this is, this is pure rank punditry because <laughs> yes, I have not is. paid attention at all really to these international organizations. So I'm going to be safe and just go right down the middle with another straight C. All right, um, let's move on then. Yes, <laughs> you don't need and to. I'm not going to give any reasons. All right. I don't need let's, to. Let's get, let's get heady a second. Final group. And then we'll move on to what you're looking at. So stay tuned. The American people. What letter grade would you give the American people in terms of our response to the pandemic? F. Wow. Matt, that was instant. Uh, Yes. We uh, decided to have a meltdown temper tantrum uh, over the pandemic. And normally with disasters uh, and, and things like this, you get a little bit of a rally around the flag effect. People come together. Uh, that didn't happen in, in 2020, 2021. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Um, people 
did not uh, there was there was some you know not to say everything was bad uh because an f is anything from a zero to a 64 and it's definitely closer to a 64. um i actually uh, yeah i think you're right (laughs) but 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 um i i think that i think that overall the american people on the left and the right did a terrible job responding to the pandemic i think that the people on the left uh freaked out like 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 you know and i and i get in the beginning it was very important to be overcautious that was actually a good thing um but the overcaution remaining through the uh, especially towards the end now of this pandemic has been abysmal the messaging on the right of basically f you i don't want i don't care about other people and i don't want to wear a mask and i don't want to get the vaccine and i don't want to do x y and z thing um, was insufferable. It was selfish. Um, and on the other hand, uh, you had, you know, just at large, the society decided in 2020 to tear itself apart. Um, and with the vaccine as its backdrop, and you had race riots, you had the election and the meltdown over the election. Uh, and I think that the vac- uh, that the pandemic made a lot of that worse. Um, and, you know, I can't say that all the blame goes on to every single American individual, because obviously that's not true. Um, people, there are a lot of people who handled it fine and uh, were good people throughout. And I think most people are good people. Um, but overall, the way we behaved towards each other, especially in our political discourse and the politicization of the pandemic was abysmal. And I think we failed that test. Ben, it sounds like you're going to go I low think, too. I, I, yeah, I think I think so too. Um, I'm teetering on on letting the, the American people get a pass. Um, it's it's I, I can be persuaded, but I'm it's it's teetering because so many people who even you know smart, thoughtful, intelligent people have just disappointed me so much on on both sides of this. You know, both in terms of, um, both in terms of people not taking it seriously enough, but also people going completely overboard, and and you know, with the school closures in particular, was really bad. Um, so, I think the only thing that brings this to what a D minus, whatever, for me, is going to be the fact that the American people also happens to include people who who stepped up to the plate you know um and and actually served their communities i'm talking about nurses you know people working on the vaccine rollout um myself and my colleagues um with the testing you know and and i think that's the only saving grace to it is on the sort of on the ground level because anything to do with the public discourse surrounding it has just been completely toxic as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. And to, and to go, so back, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll pass, I'll pass the American people just because the positives were there and because of those individuals, but I really, really wanted to fail uh, the American people for this one <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> because, it, and- because of what I mentioned and what you also touched upon, like it, it was just completely abysmal. Yeah. And, and to go back to, 
you know, what I said, the failing grade is because primarily the public discourse and the vitriolic behavior with which people treated each other, especially when they disagreed on aspects about the virus. Um, but if you actually look at what the American people did, so I actually will amend mine also to be a D. Because um, when you look at what, what uh, we were able to do by dumping resources into vaccine research and, uh, you know, making steps forward and making sure that people in communities were helped, um, you know, different acts of, of charity and such, um, you know, I think that that keeps uh, people in a passing grade, but overall just, and maybe it's because I watch the news or I'm on Twitter too much. Uh, I think that, you know, people generally did not do too well. Although, you know, in my local community, a little different, although I didn't have too much contact. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. So I'm going to come in a lot higher than you guys. Um, I'm debating between a C and a C minus. So right at about average. Uh, I think half of your, I think half of your complaints are valid. And then I think some people acted rather uncharitably towards one another and unnecessarily were vitriolic and selfish um, and made some really dumb arguments. But I think more than anything, a lot of those arguments were the result of failures of our leaders and failures of our institutions. You know, there's a saying, you put shit in, you get shit out. When you inject in the public discourse, pseudoscience, sometimes outright false science, when you inject politics into public health, um, when you have the, you know, in an already polarized time, when you have the head of one wing of this country um, shouting from the mountaintops that uh, masks are oppression, and you have the other side of the aisle saying that if you question any of the decisions that government has made, it's Neanderthal thinking. No, of course no, that's it's the genocide, you're... in fact. That's how bad it right. is. Right. Yeah. Well, you're. You're, you're killing grandma unless you go to a Black Lives Matter protest, actually. Um, that's, that's a big problem. And I think, I, think it's, I think your harsh grade is belied by the fact that despite the vitriolic debates on masking, which I think were dumb, which is the emblematic debate of our time, right? Over 90% of Americans, according to recent polling, as recent as October, over 90% of U.S. adults, 93%, say that they wore a mask. It was something that was adopted across the board. Some people had to be dragged kicking and screaming. Others didn't. Um, on top of that, in terms of vaccines, despite you know our problem with vaccine hesitancy and the discourse around vaccines, the United States has vaccinated almost 40% of the population, fully vaccinated 40% of the population almost, and we make up 124 million of the, uh, we make up um, 124 million of the 484 million um, people that have been vac fully vaccinated worldwide. We make up, uh, I'm sorry, we make up 124 million out of 360 million people. We make up more than a third of the total fully vaccinated people on the globe, in the globe, across the globe. On top of that, you guys alluded to it. 
I have a deep, deep connection with my local hometown. I've seen the way people have acted. I've seen how people have stepped up to the plate um, in terms of providing for their fellow man. Uh, right at the beginning of this pandemic, I think it was twice, we held massive food drives and uh, specifically massive drives in which uh, milk was distributed to families. Um, and that was coordinated among local partners, local governments, our state representative, um, people that gave away their time and their money in a dangerous time, right at the beginning of the pandemic to help one another. I also think of things, I live in a, I don't live in a suburb. I live in sort of an exurb. Um, so I don't, I, I definitely don't live in a subdivision. So I didn't experience everything that went on in terms of communities pulling together, but those like car parades for birthday parties and stuff like that, those selfless, you know, gestures, it took place all the time, almost, almost daily at the beginning of the pandemic, um, and and very frequently uh, during the during the course of the pandemic in, in in my area, and just this past week, for example, or just the past two weeks, uh, a thirteen year old um, girl, if I'm remembering her her age correctly, recently unfortunately got diagnosed with a second brain tumor, um, was was essentially serenaded by uh, about you know 200 members of our town uh, driving by our house and and you know throwing stuff um, to 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 look after her because you know you can't have that interaction with a cancer patient during a pandemic especially so i've seen people step up to the plate i've seen how most people I think, you know, no offense, Matt, but I think you do spend too much on time on Twitter. I think you're, I think you're tucked away in your East Boston apartment a little bit too much, um, which, you know, can give you a little bit of a false impression. The loudest voices during this thing did not represent the overwhelming majority of Americans. Most Americans understood the task that was ahead of them. They had to make self-sacrifices and they sometimes had to make sacrifices that they didn't want to make in order to protect the lives of other people. And the overwhelming majority of people did them willingly. And those that didn't do them willingly still did them for the most part. Um, I think it shows that Americans deep down at their core are a moral, is a, is a, is a, is a moral group of citizens that care about their, their, their neighbors. And despite- I think that's a good take, yeah. And despite the garbage that we've been fed through the news- through Twitter, through the loudest politicos that you've had debates with throughout this time. I, I want to emphasize again, those people aren't representative of, of the overwhelming majority of, of people that you interact with. Um, if you're living in a non-politico psychotic world where you debate these things all the time. So I give the American people, I give them a C. I think they did average for what they were expected, for, for, what, for the hand that they were dealt and what they needed to do. I think that's a good point. Anybody want to push back on that? Uh, and then we'll move on to what you No, want to no. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Did I convince anybody to go a little higher? Uh, yeah. I mean, when you put it like that, but but maybe that's why I shouldn't be a professor because because then I'll, you know, someone will come in and, you know, pull my heartstrings and then it's like, oh, well, okay, I'll raise your grade. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I like what you had to say. Um, I still do think that I stand by, I stand I, by I, my decision. I think it depends on, on where you go. 
we live in Massachusetts, which is a generally speaking a little bit more uh, um, suburban, exurban, rural Massachusetts is a bit more uh, friendly, I'd say. Like it is a uh, especially a especially, bourgeois state. So. Yeah, especially when it comes to like going out of the way. Uh, I think I, I don't know. I don't know what exactly what I'm trying to say, but I, I'm thinking. I took a trip down to Tennessee in January and the um, willingness to mask up was a, a lot, a lot less. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's not my only metric though. No, no, no. I, I know that's not the only metric, but I I'm using it as a, what are we willing to do that is inconvenient for others? Um, and I, you know, again, it's not the only metric, but you know, it, it's a big metric uh, because you know it has a lot more to do with whether or not people stay healthy than it's a relatively uh, good proxy. Than car parades, I think. You know, car parades are good, but like masks can uh, actually I, prevent you from getting sick. So I can't believe I'm going to defend not masking on this on this program, but I, I think that that analysis doesn't take into account other circumstances that people may be living in. So in the middle of Tennessee, the middle of Tennessee is a lot different than dead of Massachusetts, for example. In some of these places, you're not encountering another person for a long time. No, 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 no. What I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to say is, I don't think that it's fair to say that um, in all cases, or that in in, in, in most cases in which people weren't masks, that they didn't do so because they didn't care about their fellow man. I think it's because in th- where, where most people live... That's not what I'm saying. Okay. What are you saying? Uh, I'm not saying that it's not because they don't care. I'm saying that, uh, you, you know, they didn't necessarily put the consideration in uh, oh, 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 oh. To, make, to make the decision whether or not they should do care. Like, they, they didn't give it any thought and they just considered it as a culture war issue. Um, and of course that's true in Tennessee. Um, yeah, but I think that's still being a little bit uncharitable towards the Tennesseans. There are definitely people who didn't mask because of culture war stuff, but there are people who didn't because they just didn't feel like they had to, because they live in rural parts of the country. Like where I was though, it was not a rural part of the country. It was more built up than my town in Massachusetts. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I was in a suburb of Knoxville. Uh, yep. And, 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 uh, you know, on a main, like main, main road, a very populated area. And we were going into stores in strip malls and people were not masked up. And that's, you know, whatever. That's, that's the culture of the state. But I'm just saying in, in January when we were down there, when all these spikes were happening, this wasn't towards the end. This wasn't, you know, last week. This was in January. Uh, it was a bit unnerving. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I know that your community is a good community and it's a strong community, but that's not the case across the country for every community. And uh, you know, you, 
you made the comment about me being my East Boston apartment bubble, but you're a little bit in your your Western Massachusetts bubble here. I, your, I, your, wow, your, your Metro the West. Fact, Massachusetts the fact that bubble. you said Plainville is in Metro is in Western Metro West. Metro West. I was gonna say the fact that you said Plainville is in Western Massachusetts shows that you really are living in a Lakeville bubble. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, <laughs> I get that point. I get that point. That's the reason why I include the statistics about mask adaptation and vaccinations. Um, it is widespread across the country. It's not just in my community. And by the way, the that the amount of the amount of charity um, that was given in the South to to people and the amount of self no, and that's that's true as well. Yeah. All right. Anyways, we got to move on. Final segment. I hope this has been entertaining for you, the listener. What you're looking at, gentlemen. We haven't, we've been looking at a lot of stuff because we haven't been back together. What is the one thing that stands out in the time that, we, uh, that, that, that we've been apart um, that you've seen that, that has been interesting? Try and pick one. Um, Matt, do you want to go first or just Ben? Uh, I have a handful. Let me narrow it down. Okay, I'll go first. I have, I have one. Okay, yeah. go, Ben. Uh, I've been binge-watching The Wire. Mm. Good point. Which is Good choice. a fantastic show. Um, and that's all I have to say. It's, what, what's it about? If you haven't watched it, and well, Baltimore, Baltimore it, drug pins, kingpins, essentially. Yeah. So, so it basically follows both the both the narcotics unit at uh, Baltimore PD and the drug dealers, and each season focuses on a different aspect of the drug trade. So, season one is sort of introductory, uh, focuses on just like the dealers and the projects and and the somewhat scummy cops down there. Um, it's obviously fiction, but it's extremely well written and it's, it's somewhat old. I mean, we're talking early two thousands here, but, um, but cops have, have come out and said that it's like the most accurate depiction of police work they've seen. Um, and season two is focused on a lot of the shipping aspects of, of the drug trafficking. Um, and then season three, I haven't quite gotten there yet, but uh, it supposedly uh, focuses on the kids and um, that effect in the community. So it's absolutely brilliant, um, and I really recommend it. I'm going to go – I didn't anticipate Ben also going with a show about organized drug trades and the police chasing them down narcos on netflix the and original or narcos netflix. mexico also very good yeah narcos the original pablo okay. Escobar. yes yes very good very good very good show excellent television show i uh television program i just finished season one um a few days ago uh one of the better produced shows that i've seen in a long time really good really. I, I enjoyed narcos a lot excelente okay and uh, shout out Suffolk Spanish department. Um, it's uh, it's actually nice to be able to not have to read the subtitles sometimes when they're speaking Spanish. Um, uh, and uh, believe it or not, my friend, my, my brother has been talking to essentially a pen pal in Bogota, Colombia for a, for about a year and a half. Se llama uh, Diego and uh he was talking to us about how um colombia has really really changed since the time of pablo escobar and that up until about a month ago colombia 
was incredibly safe, especially in Bogota and and in Medellin, which was the, the essentially the headquarters for Escobar's cartel. And I, my brother and I have essentially made it our our goal within the next few years to try and get down there and visit uh, our our amigo Diego. Um, but unfortunately, I, I'd join you for that. Yeah, I mean, I quick, it, quick little trip to Colombia. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful country um, with a lot of culture. And, Been on my bucket list too for a long time. Well, they need they need to rename it. the The name of that country is canceled. <laughs> they they love Columbus down there. Um, the unfortunate thing is that there's been quite a lot of civil strife in unrest occurring in Colombia right now because the government attempted to ta- uh, pass a tax increase, essentially. Um, and there's been rioting. Uh, the Colombian government just essentially strolled up with tanks and started shooting people um, during some heated protests. Uh, so recommend you watch Narcos to get... Uh, some entertainment, some quality entertainment, and uh, you look up the situation as to what's going on in Colombia and hope for a peaceful resolution because it is a wonderful country full of really interesting culture and really interesting people um, that I hope to get to sooner rather than later. Um, and they also got very hard hit by the coronavirus, um, according to our friend. So that's uh, that's with Colombia, but uh, I want to come visit your country when things <laughs> when things die down a little bit. Finally, to you, Matt. What you looking at? Yes. So, uh, to stay with the theme of drug, you got to be kidding me, really? Of drug. Are you going to say Peaky shows. Blinders? No, of, okay. of drug trafficking TV shows. Uh, originally, I was going, I was, I was going to go with a book that I was re- uh, reading, but that's not related. So, um, I have to go with Ozarks. Uh, <laughs> Jason Bateman's um, show on Netflix. He directs it. He acts in it. Um, he plays a character named Marty Bird, who is he he launders money for a Mexican drug cartel nice. uh, in he he launders it. In, and this is all in the first episode. So no spoilers here. Does he use um, Tide? Yes. Yes. Um, uh, actually, Downey. Downey. Um, and then he uses he makes sure to, to use um, bad dryer, dryer sheets as well. Bad pun. You can um, leave a bad review if you didn't like that one. No, actually, you have to leave us five stars for that pun. <laughs> um so no it's, it's really good uh the first episode uh just to kind of give you an idea of what happens in the show uh basically his partner gets killed uh and this how it happens right away so again no spoilers but his partner gets killed and to save his own life he has to convince the drug cartel that uh he was gonna go down to the ozarks in missouri and uh get into some lucrative um like real like money laundering opportunities down in 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 uh, Missouri. So he moves down there and he encounters all kinds of uh, with his family and then they encounter all kinds of wacky characters uh, you know involved in in organized crime and and uh come back for season two is ozarks to see some more wacky characters yeah why they wacky there are some wacky (laughs) characters trust me there's this character uh who runs a heroin farm with his wife nice uh, and she's old. crazy she is crazy she's a good character. Uh, she's a very good character um have you gone to the adoption part yet i've I've, I've i've i'm up to date i'm i've finished season three so i'm all up that to whole date. thing so is the uh, what a crazy bitch it's a <laughs> it's a it's a great show um yeah i i i think it's it's very good and it's a very good allegory as well for just uh synth 
and what it does um, what it does to the person course. what it does to other people of it's, it's really good try and spin a show about that is so laundering money it, it is when you look at, no but when you look at how it affects uh their family especially in season three uh there's a storyline with one of the characters who gets introduced in season three and it's very uh very apparent and it's it's very good uh drawing the i i might have to write something about this because i think i have a pretty profound thought about the allegory that is ozarks season three um but no very good show so if you haven't given that a watch uh go watch that instead of these other two schmucks uh drug shows Hey, 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 they're all whoa, good shows. Whoa, I, love, I love all these shows. No, I'm joking. I, the only one I haven't seen is The Wire, and I might check that out uh, because I've heard good things. I have not seen Ozarks or The Wire. Ozarks is, is excellent. I've heard Ozarks is excellent. I might check that it's out. It's really, really good. Uh, the only I'm thing just waiting is, for the know, next season. Some, the first two seasons have some, some gratuitous sex scenes oh, no. that get uh, dialed back in season three, so that was good to see. But God uh, forbid uh yeah so I, I don't know just just letting people know in case they need to have the fast forward button ready or something don't watch year it olds, with kids 13 year olds that are listening to this podcast right now don't watch ozarks okay uh, yeah don't yeah watch, don't, don't, don't watch it with your don't, kids don't yeah and 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 if they are kids you know of course um they need to stop watching it and go on their computers where there's a whole uh, <laughs> world of porn readily available to them so yes, which we're gonna we're gonna get rid of uh with the government want to give them some websites? You want to give them some websites to check out, Ben? Is that what you want to do? No. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, I think uh, I I think I'll keep it PG for now. Thank you. Maybe That's next good. time. This, we good. already have an explicit rating. We don't need. To I do would uh, I would edit it out anyway if Ben just started dropping links. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, <laughs> no, you you should bleep it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, that's about that's about it for tonight. Uh, or today's podcast um any 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 final thoughts i mean the pandemics the pandemic's almost over guys i mean we've been saying that it's getting close it's getting close but i mean it's 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 essentially over for if you're if you're vaccinated for now yeah uh, we're just rejoice waiting. yeah just rejoice it, it'll um, it's it's so good yeah it's so good i will it's, say this i will say great. this sorry matt go ahead i was gonna say um the last thing that I uh, I kind of thought of that I'm look, really looking forward to, uh, this kind of popped into my head as well, mm. is the taking down of all of the roped off pews at mass and actually not having to register every week, uh, yeah. you know, filling out a little online form and uh, to make sure I have a seat at mass. I don't ever Sunday. want to see plexiglass ever again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except at museums. Uh, I wanted to say before we rolled out that although the pandemic is coming to a close, it's important to remember uh, the friends we made along the way. No, it's important. Well, <laughs> we can remember the friends we made along the way, but it's equally important to remember the people that are still suffering from long COVID now. Uh, yeah. There are people that are going to be dealing with this disease for a long time. Unfortunately, uh, it's becoming a real problem in especially in developing nations uh, it's important to remember that the pandemic is still rearing its ugly head in many parts of the world india and killing tens of thousands of people um and finally it's it's important to remember the people that we're leaving behind too um 600,000 
Americans have have been killed um, by this terrible disease, um, and millions uh, across the globe. Um, it's estimated about 10 million have died from this disease as well. Um, go live your life as you see fit now that we can actually do that, but just pause a moment and, and think about the people that we've lost from this as well, because we weren't able, I know I said it before in this podcast, but the weirdest thing about this pandemic is that we've lost so much, but because of the, the situation that we were in, we weren't able to collectively grieve that loss. So with that, um, well said, yeah, with that, enjoy your freedom, enjoy your newfound freedom, go and do some excellent things. Ball pits. Go, go jump in a ball pit. Uh, <laughs> go see a Red Sox game, go to church if you want to. Um, and with that, as always, my name is Nick Samarco joined with my trusted compatriot, Matt Lewis, and the sometimes present Ben Holden. We don't know when we'll talk to you guys. <laughs> we don't know when we'll talk to you guys next time. Um, but if you enjoyed this, leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever nope. you get your uh, Oh, I, was, I thought you were about to say SoundCloud. No, no, we, we don't do that because it's for, for mumble rappers. Oh, uh, we gotta we gotta come up with something new. <laughs> Um, if you have any suggestions for topics that you'd want us to cover, um, feel free to direct message us on Instagram at AHDpod, or you can direct message myself at nsam41, or I think I'm, yeah, you can you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Nick Samarco. I have a very unique name. Uh, or you can message me on Twitter at Nick Samarco. Or uh, text me Ma- if you have my phone number. <laughs> I'm not giving it out. Uh, you can send me a letter to the P.O. Box listed in the description below. There is no P.O. Box. Exactly. Uh, or you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt3TsRLewis, L-E-W-I-S. You can, you can Venmo me uh, and pay for a P.O. Box if you are so inclined. You I'm not giving that. that out either. You, but. Can you, 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 you can also just Venmo us if you want to. Yeah. Just, That's also you, feel free. I mean, I'll. you can direct message me to, to give you my address if you want to send me money. I mean, I'm not going to object to that. All right. right. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys the next time we talk to you guys.